I think there are four basic categories, you could say, of departures. First of all, there's the departure of that person, that house guest that has overstayed their welcome and you can't wait to be rid of them. Hopefully, anytime I've come to do a visit, you're not thinking, my God, when is this priest ever going to get out of here? I hope I haven't overstayed my welcome. Second kind of departure is the departure where the person is coming back. They're going away on a vacation or a trip for a short or a long period of time. But you're looking forward to them coming back. So you're sad to see them go, but you'll be happy when they come back. When Natalie and I lived in Japan, she went for three weeks to Cambodia and left me in a foreign country all by my lonesome. Was happy to see her go because she was going on a service trip. But man, oh man, I couldn't wait till she got back. Three weeks alone in a foreign country are a lifetime. <clears throat> a third kind of departure is the departure where you're not sure about the circumstances of the arrival. A person is going away, but they may or may not come back. And we don't know when. We don't know how. It's like a soldier going off to war. We hope they're going to come back, but there's no guarantee that they will come back. Or a loved one who's going away for medical treatment to a specialist out of city and we're hoping that they come back, but there's no guarantees that they will come back. And the fourth kind of departure is the departure that is from our gospel today, the departure where the beloved is not coming back. There's a finality about them leaving. They are leaving never to return. And that's what Jesus says to his apostles here in our gospel reading. <clears throat> These, these words of Jesus take place before Jesus' own passion. So during Holy Week, Jesus is getting ready, and he's letting his disciples know, okay, guys, here's how this is going to play out. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be unjustly tried. You all are going to depart and leave from me at my darkest hour. I'm going to be tortured and crucified and die. I will come back, but I will go again. And his disciples are like, huh? What? No, 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 no. Right? We know the disciples have done this before, right? Peter goes so far as to say, Jesus, you're wrong. This is not going to happen. And what does Jesus respond to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You have no idea what you're talking about. So here, too, with the apostles, they don't understand. What? What? <coughs> What do you mean that you're going away and coming back and going away? This doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? Well, then Jesus doubles down on this. He says, it's actually a good thing that I'm going. What? How is it a good thing that you're leaving us? We left our whole lives, our livelihoods, our families to follow you. And for the past three years, we've been following you, listening to your teaching. Seeing you perform miracles, we've been with you at your side. And now you're telling us after three years you're getting out of Dodge? And you're not coming back? How could you do this, Jesus? This kind of goes against everything you've said and taught us. 
It goes against everything that we've come to believe about who you are. And now you're saying I'm leaving and that it's a good thing that I'm leaving? That doesn't make any sense. But Jesus says, yes, no, this is good that I'm happening. Like, it's almost like Jesus is rejoicing in the fact of his departure. And no, it's not that Jesus is happy because he's happy to be rid of these guys who just don't seem to get it. Because remember, Jesus came to offer his life and his very self for the salvation of the world. Jesus says, no, it's good news because of what comes next. Of what comes next. And what comes next is the gift of the comforter. I'm sorry, what, Jesus? The comforter? Who? What are you talking about? Who is this comforter? Well, Jesus says the comforter is the spirit of truth. Say again, what? <laughs> what are you getting at, Jesus? Well, the spirit, I am going to give you this spirit who is God himself sent by the same person who sent me, God the Father. And this spirit will come and will convict people and will remind people of me. Disciples, what? Still don't get it. And of course they don't get it. How could they get it? We shouldn't blame them because how often do we get it? And so the reason why on this, the fourth Sunday of Easter, the church places this reading in our, our lectionary is because we are almost at the midway point between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. And that in-between time. And we know what happens on Pentecost. It's remarkable. The Holy Spirit comes, this comforter that Jesus is talking about, and he completely transforms these same group of men who are fearful, confused, misunderstand, who flee at the, 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 the sight of danger. The Holy Spirit comes and they are now full of power. They are not just mere bystanders of the preaching of the word when Jesus was among them. They themselves are now preaching the word. They are not mere witnesses to the healings and miracles that Jesus performed. They themselves are performing the same miracles that Jesus did himself. But they're not at that point yet because they are still confused about what is going on. But Jesus says, peace, don't worry about it. Because my word is sure. My word will not return to me empty. I am promising you and assuring you, you do not understand it now, but you will. Because this spirit of truth will come and live among you. The very same spirit that inhabits me, Jesus says, I will give to you. And that's why Jesus is excited about this. Because he's giving them his divine life. He's giving them the power not to just merely observe, but to very participate in the very ministry of Jesus Christ. And that's good news for us, too, today. How? Because Jesus promises us that same spirit. We're not mere observers of something that happened 2,000 years ago. We, too, are participants by the Holy Spirit in that same work that the apostles began in that same work that Jesus Christ himself began. Why? Because that, whole, that same spirit is here. This same spirit 
is here among us. It is what has gathered us to here. That same spirit is what holds us together in the bonds of communion, in the bonds of fellowship. Jesus says, you will know a tree by its fruit. So how do we know the Holy Spirit is here among us when we can't see the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is intangible, right? When Jesus was among his disciples, we can picture that. There's a dude with a beard, with people. Harder to picture the Holy Spirit, isn't it? But you'll know by the fruit that is born, Jesus says. And Paul elaborates on this because in that well-known passage of Galatians, he talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Comforter, the fruits of the Advocate, of the Spirit of Truth. And that fruit is peace. Not the peace of the words the world gives, but the peace of God. Patience. James talks about don't rush into anger, but be patient, slow to speak, quick to listen. Peace, patience, Oh, man, I can't remember. I used to have a song. Do you remember the, the, the Fruits of the Spirit? Peace, patience, joy, goodness, gentleness, self-control, yeah. kindness. Thank you. <laughs> Those are the fruits, right? Those are, that's how we know. So, yeah, we can't physically point to the Holy Spirit and say, yes, this is my friend, the Holy Spirit. We point to that fruit being born among us. Because that's the same spirit that Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even though I go, I'm giving you something better. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what makes all of this possible. The Holy Spirit, as I said, has joined us together, has knit us into that fellowship of Christ. How? Through the water of baptism. It's just water in and of itself, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon it, it becomes more than water. The words of the Bible are mere words on a page, but when the Holy Spirit comes, they become the living word of God. Bread and wine are just bread and wine until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and fills them with the very divine life of Christ. You ever wonder how the disciples remembered all that Jesus told them? A lot of people speculate about this and say, well, they were making it up as they went along. It was very convenient for them to, to tell these things. If you've ever seen a red-letter Bible, the go- and that's the, the, the Bibles that have the, ty- uh, the, the, the speech of Jesus in red, if you ever get to the Gospel of John, where our Gospel reading is from, it's like a lot of red. How did John remember all these things that Jesus told him? Is he even trustworthy? Of course. Because it's by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that in our text today, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have taught you. So these are not just words on a page. They are the living word of God that cuts heart and marrow, as the, as the writer of Hebrews says. And so we need to receive them as such in the spirit, quite literally, in which they were given. Because the Holy Spirit is who builds up the church. The Holy Spirit is who fills us with the light and life of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Amidst the sorrows and uncertainties of life, amidst the distress that the apostles are facing and that we face in our own lives, the Holy Spirit is with us because Jesus promises to never leave us orphaned, to never abandon us. It's easy for us to grow cold in the Spirit. It's easy for us to turn our backs and to forget. But as soon as we plug into that Spirit, 
as soon as we plug ourselves into the people and to the body of God, the body of Christ, that spirit makes things alive like that. How? God only knows because it's the Holy Spirit. But that's the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit is mystery, but the Holy Spirit is God. Mystery in the sense that God himself is mystery. How can any of us know and understand the full reality of who God is? We can't. But we can receive and invite God into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to show us, to live within us. The advice that James gives to us in the epistle is the fruit of that life of the Holy Spirit in us, teaching us how to listen first before speaking, how to be patient instead of being angry, because there's always a lot for us to be angry about in the world, and there are people that profit from our anger. But the work of the Spirit is to say, not interested. As soon as my blood pressure goes up, as soon as I find myself yelling at my TV screen or ready to type some words of response, the Holy Spirit says, peace. Tune it out. Tune yourself into the presence of God, into that life of Christ. Because that's really what our world needs, isn't it? More light and life and less heat. More listening, less speaking. Of course, there's an irony with me saying that when I'm up here talking to you and you're all listening to me. I'm aware of that. But what we hope and pray is that the Holy Spirit is here, here now in the words, but also in between the words, in the silence of our hearts and our minds, in the receptivity of us inviting that Spirit to come live among us as a community, as a parish, but also as individuals. So we pray that ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit, in the same way that you came at Pentecost, come again, again and again and again, because we need your light and your life to show us how to live as the body of Christ, to form us into the people and into the person you would have me be. So as we turn our eyes toward Pentecost, in this Eastertide we are reminded that that same spirit that gave Christ resurrected life is that same spirit who gives us resurrected life. Yeah, we're going to stumble and fall again and again and again. But the Holy Spirit says, all right, dust off your knees, we'll clean you up, and we'll get you on the road again. That same Holy Spirit is the good gardener who works in our hearts and minds, pulling the weeds, turning over the soil, getting us ready to bear that good fruit. And so may, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may that always be true in our lives. Thanks be to God.